When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to a very special crossover edition of Buckeye Talk and the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. You might be catching this in the Ohio State feed. You might be catching this in the Browns feed. We're all together to draft, it's because it's both things, the best Ohio State players currently in the NFL. To do that, we have me, Douglas Maurice. We have Stephen Means from the Ohio State Beat. And we have Ashley Bastock and Dan Lobby from the Cleveland Browns Beat. Guys, I have a list of the greatest television crossover episodes <laughs> in history. And we could decide which, which one of these this podcast is most like. There was a Fresh Prince Jefferson's crossover. Like at the end of the, there was a thing in the Fresh Prince where George Jefferson came that. in. People got very excited about that. This could be that. There was a big, actually, this is for you. There was a big, that's so Raven, sweet life of Zach and Cody, Hannah Montana, triple crossover that people went nuts for. See, I appreciate that you think that I am young, Doug, which I am, but I'm not quite that young. Like You're that's not- maybe a few years, like too too late for me to have fully appreciated, but I will take it. We'll let the listeners think I'm that youthful. Steven, are you like my age. are you that so Raven young? You big that yeah. so Raven guy, Steven? Yeah, I'm that young. Were you like that so Raven is like probably the like cutoff for me and like those shows. I don't know if Steven's the same yeah. way. Like yeah. Anna Montana and Sweet Life of Zach and Cody were like towards when I was going into high school. So that's a little, uh, a little too old. Yeah, I was a uh, I was in starting middle school. Oh. All right. So, Stephen, you were excited when Hannah Montana was on That's So Raven. That was a big deal. I mean, I don't know if I was excited, but it was <laughs> it was interesting. Oh, you, you remember it. Yeah. OK. Yeah, I remember it, but I'm not going to be like, oh, my God, it's That's So Raven. And sweet. No, it was just you know, no, I, television. I, Zach and Cody was OK. I liked when they were on the boat. Brenda Song was on that. She's good. Uh, New Girl and Be Not Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Dan Lobby, you're a big Brooklyn Nine-Nine uh, fan, right? Both. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a fan of both. Yeah. Huh. I was yeah. Big. Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Very good. Uh, Full House and Family Matters. Urkel was like dancing with John Stamos. Who was down mm-hmm. for that? Everybody's into that, right? Of course. Uh, the Simpsons and Family Guy, I guess, did a thing where that baby with the pointy head was hanging out with Bart Simpson. I don't know. I don't really like Family Guy. What, what about Simpsons and uh, 
there was a very a really short-lived show, The Critic or whatever. Oh, yeah. Did, like the film festival that episode. Big, big See, John now Lovitz we're going, now we're going down the yeah. Simpsons rabbit hole. And then there was a How to Get Away with Murder scandal crossover. I yeah. watched How to Get Away with Murder for a that while. That was intense. But then all the students yeah. were so annoying. I just wanted all of them to be murdered. So I stopped They watching. are. They they were annoying. Shonda Rhimes shows for me, like, yeah. they're typically very good in the beginning. And then they get kind of we're in no man's land, like with the craziness. And that crossover happened like towards the end of both shows. I think it might've been the last season of scandal. So things were kind of loopy, but it was, it was entertaining television. When I want every character on the show to be murdered, I stop watching. That's my threshold. So I had reached that point. So we hope that this crossover can rise to the level of the uh, Family Matters Full House crossover. And by the end, Dan Lobby will be dancing with Urkel and we'll be celebrating what we're doing here. As we draft, we're going to go eight rounds. There's four of us, eight rounds. We're going to wind up with the 32 best Ohio State players in the NFL. There's roughly, not counting practice squad guys, about 70 NFL guys from Ohio State right now. And again, this means that Ohio State was your last school. No Joe Burrow, no Jamison Williams, no guys like that. You had to have be coming out of Ohio State. And there's about 34 or 35 like starters, main contributors. So we're not even going to have to get into the backup guys to do this draft. We're going to put guys like Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, who just got drafted, put them in context. We're going to put a guy like Denzel Ward, who just got a big contract for the Browns, put him in context. We're going to figure out which Bosa goes higher. Where does Justin Fields, who's the only Ohio State quarterback in the NFL, where does he drop into this discussion? We're going to do a snake draft. So, Ashley, you have first pick of where you want oh. to draft because, yeah. you know, I'm on both podcasts, but I'm more often I'm like hosted Buckeye Talk most of the time. So I feel like you're kind of a guest here, even though it is a crossover. So, Ashley, you get to pick where you want to draft. Do you want the first pick or you want another pick? I want the second pick. All right. Ashley wants the second pick. Then, Stephen, because you're all so young and Lobby and I, nobody cares about us. We're old. Stephen, you get the second pick. Where do you want to draft? I'll take the third pick. Steven takes the third pick. So Dan, do you want Dad, Dan, you and I are going to be the old man wraparounds in this snake draft. Yeah. Do you want the first pick, Dan, or the fourth and fifth picks? Well, I, I like that we're doing a snake draft because I, I think like the snake draft has been outlawed on Orange and Brown Talk for mm, some reason. Yes. I'm a big snake draft. That's guy. all we do. Why don't we draft? do that? Why don't, I don't we? know? Maybe this marks a change. Interesting. Yeah. I'm going to take the number one pick. All right. Because I, well, yeah, I'll tell you why when I make it. Okay. So we will go there. I think the parameters are something like this. You are running good football team X for the 2022 football season. And every Ohio State player in the NFL just became available. There's an expansion draft. For whatever reason, every Ohio State guy is out there. And you're adding this guy to your team to make your team better. So your team is decent everywhere, but could... Use a little help everywhere. So it's focusing, I think, on the 2022 season. But, you know, if you want to take a little into account of an older guy, a younger guy, do you want a little more length of career? That's fine, too. But we're trying to figure out really who we think the best Ohio State football players in the NFL in 2022 will be. And Dan Lobby, we'll start with you. Who is the number one pick in this draft on the Orange and Brown Talk Buckeye Talk crossover? So one of the reasons I decided to take number one is because I think this is one of the discussions we want to have. And so my first pick is Nick Bosa. So I'm taking him number one overall. When, when it, It's actually funny. When you look at him and his brother, 
whether it's PFF grades or whatever you want to look at, they're like the exact same person in a lot of ways. They're so close together when you look at grades, when you look at number of pressures, when you look at, at all of that stuff. But I think, you know, statistically, again, on PFF especially, but also just eyeball test, I think Nick Bosa is just a little bit more disruptive than Joey. Now, they're both amazing. Like, they're both like top level edge rushers. But I think Nick is just a little tiny bit better than, than Joey Bosa at, at this point, even at a smaller sample size. So I'm going Nick Bosa, number one overall. Steven, we don't want to give away everybody's future picks, but in your mind, Steven, is this a Bosa discussion at number one, or are there other people that would enter the conversation here as the first overall pick? No, it's pretty much a Bosa dis- discussion. They've both done it at a high level for a couple of years now, and it's almost pick your flavor. And I mean, you might get nitpicky depending on which one you pick. Um, I'm not going to say which one I would have gone with, but um, yeah, this is a Bosa discussion. Ashley, do you agree? Yeah, Bosa's this are bust. Was- this was who I had in number one for basically all the same reasons Dan just laid out. I think it's it's some orange and brown talk synergy happening here. And yes, we do have similar notes on all of these players. But I just think it's it's Joey or Nick by an edge. And then it was between those two for me in deciding when I was putting together my big board who who I would take here if I had the number one pick. But um, yeah, I strategically took the number two pick. So um, we'll get to that when I discuss who I have there. You may get the leftover Bosa. So I (laughs) I do think, Dan, one of the things that we have this conversation a lot on the Orange Brown Talk podcast is coverage versus pass rush. And when you think about the best Ohio State players in the league, they've got some edge guys and they've got some corners. Denzel Ward, Marshawn Lattimore, there certainly are some high-level corners here. I mean, positional value certainly is going to matter here. Nobody's going to take an offensive guard, number one overall here. But how did you evaluate sort of that conversation of corners versus edge guys in a draft like this? I'm sort of in the middle in that whole edge rusher versus coverage thing. I I think coverage is really important. It's become more and more important. I think we've seen the Browns, who, of course, are very analytically driven, very data driven. They've really focused on coverage, right? They've drafted corners. They've, They've went all in on the safety position. Uh, but I also believe, and I think they believe too, that pass rush is important and pressures are important. And there was a really great, like Bill Belichick speech, like last season, somebody asked him a question about pressures and he talked about why pressures are almost more important than sacks and why they value them more than sacks. And it kind of just led to when there's pressure, the quarterback has to move. The quarterback throws before he wants to. It opens up possibilities for interceptions and, and a whole bunch of other things to happen. So I think I still lean towards a dominant, like high level, Miles Garrett, Joey Bosa. You know, Aaron Donald's not an edge rusher, but he's one of the best pass rushers in the game. I, I lean more towards that high level player who can create pressure just a little more over a high level corner. All right, Ashley, who are you going to take number two here? I am going to take the leftover Bosa and go with Joey Bosa here. This is who I had at number two on my big board. And, and like Dan said, these two guys are so close in everything. Obviously Joey is slightly older, but last year looking at their pass rush grades, uh, Joey had a 90.3 pass rush grade and Nick had a 90.0 pass rush grade from PFF. So you really can't get much closer than that. And then obviously Uh, Just looking at their resumes, I think he's like a four-time pro bowler or whatever. I just lost my notes here. But um, 
Yeah, just just a top tier edge guy for me, like Dan. I mean, I do understand how much teams value that. The way Joey Bosa uses his length, the way he uses his hands, like all that is really second to none. And again, that that pass rush grade he had was actually like fourth in the league last year amongst edge rushers. So um, I'm happy with this pick here. Does everybody have Nick ahead of Joey? Do we all agree on that Bosa order? What do you have, Stephen? I had Joey first just because Nick's got some injury history. Mm, and I think that's, that's, I think that's, that's, yeah. that's not, not a so, bad wrinkle. Yeah. So when I said nitpicky, that's pretty much it. It's like both of them are dominant, but one's had season ending injuries at both the college level and the NFL level. And the other one has it. That's legit. Joey is three years older. I do think Joey to me is a little bendier is a little more uh, of a technician, Nick, to me, is a little more power-centric. But the way Nick lines up anymore, I don't know that... It feels to me like every snap that Nick Bosa lines up, he looks like he's about to shoot himself out of a cannon. I don't know that I see any other guy in the league who is so menacing with his stance, the way he lines up, and he feels like he's going a 1,000 miles an hour every time the ball is snapped. I think Joey is a little more... like. I don't know that even that the size is that different. I just think Joey's like maybe a little more slender, a little bendier, and Nick is just going to destroy you. I also had Nick one, Joey two as my top two guys on this list. I think it's a little stylistic, but in the end, Stephen, I do think it's even if the other three of us all have Nick, I mean, it's probably more like 55, 45 kind of thing. In the end, Stephen, to go on availability, not a bad idea because like Nick, Nick helped propel the Niners to a Super Bowl as a rookie. And then he like was hurt kind of the next year. And it and the Niners weren't as good of a team as a result. That matters somewhere. Yeah. That's I'm fine with either one, though. It's not it's it's, it's they're the same player at this point, but it is it's 16 games, 17 games at this point. Availability is your best ability. And that's that's a tiebreaker for me, especially hey. when they're both the 10 plus sack guys every single year, basically. I think there's something there with Nick too, like like you mentioned, Doug. And I, I mentioned Aaron Donald earlier, and I, I'd say that carefully because Aaron Donald is one of the greatest defensive players we've ever seen in the NFL. But, you know, first impressions matter a little bit too. And the, the first time I saw Nick Bosa in person, he just absolutely showed up and decided he was going to destroy the Cleveland Browns. Right. And he, like, rehearsed the the flag plant celebration he was going to do when he sacked Baker Mayfield. He, he talked about it after the game. And I, I've seen that with him before. Like he's got a little bit of that, like I'm going to destroy this game and nobody's going to stop me in him. And I, and you know, Joey has the ability to wreck a game, but I think Nick, Nick might just have that little extra edge mentally. I, I don't know. Joey might disagree. <laughs> it almost, it is like a little bit of a big brother, little brother thing. Cause like the big brother's like, Hey, I'm doing my job. Look at me. I'm a good football player. The little brother's like, I'm going to, destroy everything and it's like yeah (laughs) like that's how they did it nick is destructive nick is a destructive football player i think joey is like a professional get it done football player but we three of the four of us went destructive and and then the reason but then also maybe when you're more destructive maybe i don't know are you 20 percent more injury prone because you're throwing your body around so bosa bosa congratulations to john and cheryl bosa bosa parents (laughs) Their sons went one and two in this draft. I'll text John afterward and tell him that they can celebrate. Hey, guys, you know, I know the Bosa family is just bathing in NFL money right now, but listen to this honor. 
that the Boses just got on the Orange and Brown Talk Buckeye Talk crossover pod. And they'll be like, crossover pod? Wow, Doug, that sounds really interesting. How did that go? And then I'll say, why don't you guys give a listen? So if there are any Bosa family members listening, hello. Please find out where this would rank in their accolades. Like, where does yeah. this rank among the Rookie of the Year awards and the mm-hmm. Pro Bowls and all that? We need to find out. It's totally yeah, right. close to the top of the list. It's right under the extensions. Yeah. <laughs> right under <laughs> $280 million extension. Yeah. Top two picks in the crossover draft. All right. <laughs> we're going to the non-Bosa part of this now. Steven Means, pick number three. Where are you going? So since the clear top two edge rushers are off the board now, and I think there's a little bit of a drop-off one because the next guy's just too young and has only done it for one year. I'm going to go cornerback here. And I think this might be another discussion between two guys, um, former Buc- well, all former Buckeyes, but two top 10 picks. And I'm going to go Marshawn Lattimore. Interesting. I thought we were maybe cracking the Denzel conversation right here. We're yeah. going to hold that off. Yeah. Denzel Ward, Marshawn Lattimore last year among cornerbacks who played at least 50% of their team snaps, PFF grade, Marshawn Lattimore, 77.3, ninth among corners, Denzel Ward, 76.9, tenth among corners. Marshawn burst on the scene and was the defensive rookie of the year, his first year. He went from two years of being injured at Ohio State to All-American to in the draft defensive rookie of the year. It was an unbelievable comeback in a two-year period for a guy who you weren't sure was it ever going to get going. I think it's fair to have this conversation here because you do kind of, they're not related, but they're both from Northeast Ohio. They're both among the best cornerbacks in the league. Dan, how did you have Denzel Ward and Marshawn Lattimore? Who was higher among those two for you? I had Denzel Ward above Lattimore, and I I think this is similar to the Bosa discussion. I think whoever went in this spot, the next guy was going to go in the spot after. You know, we'll see. But I I had Denzel Ward higher. Um, I think Marshawn has a little more splash, and he comes up with picks. He was number one in pass breakups uh, this last season, at least the way PFF tracks him. He's not – I mean, he's not that much older than Denzel. Um, so he's, he's still young, but I just, I I have Denzel above him because I think while Denzel doesn't have the splash plays as much outside, you know, he had that Cincinnati return for a touchdown. I think Denzel might be a little bit better just in coverage. And some of this also might just come down to, I watched Denzel. I've seen every snap of Denzel's career and I haven't seen every snap of Marshall and Lattimore's career. Ashley, how did you balance the Lattimore award debate? Yeah, I had them right next to each other and I had Denzel uh, above him. And I'm, I'm wondering, like Dan said, if it's kind of for the same reasons, if I'm just like inherently biased towards towards Denzel Ward at this point because I watch him more. Um, but yeah, these guys are so close in, in their coverage grades. And I think just given like Denzel's age being slightly younger, um, obviously the extension making him the highest paid corner uh, in the league on a per year basis, uh, whatever that number is like, I, I don't know. I just, I went with him. I went with my gut on this pick, but I think you really can't go wrong either way. I do think this is a little bit of a peak versus steadiness conversation potentially, which is sort of what you guys had alluded to a little bit. I think Denzel might be a little bit steadier, but there does seem to be weeks, Steven, where one of the storylines in the NFL is like Marshawn Lattimore got put on a number one receiver and it was go time. Marshawn Lattimore and Mike Evans, I think, have a history of like, hey, they're both in the AFC South. They go up against each other. It is one of those. I think maybe 
over a 17 game season, I would take Denzel Ward and I had him higher on my list. If you said we're playing one game for the fate of the planet and we need someone to cover a number one receiver, I might take Marshawn Lattimore. How did you balance this, Stephen? I think one's the better playmaker, but it's not quite boom bust, but it does feel like with Marshawn Lattimore, it's like Marshawn took Mike Evans out of the game for the entire game. And then the next week, it's like Marshawn Lattimore gave up eight catches for 112 yards and two (laughs) touchdowns. Right. And it's like, you're almost, you're, I'm banking on the Marshawn Lattimore took Mike Evans out of the game guy to show up if it's just for one game. Yeah. I think, I think you could go either way. I think in some ways this is maybe even closer than the Bosa brother discussion, but I did have Denzel third on my list overall. And I had Marshawn sixth on my list overall. So I'm going to take Denzel here. So Denzel is now my fourth pick overall. He was um, third on my list. I think we all, right. I mean, given how the board has gone so far, everybody would take Denzel here at four. Is that correct? Yeah, this is this is a slam dunk for little Dougie. All right. So I don't know that we have to have we have this conversation. He's getting a hundred and hundred million, hundred point five million dollar extension. He's earned that. He was the number four pick in the draft. It's one of the better things John Dorsey did making that decision. He's Northeast Ohio guy. He has a great family. It's a great story. He's the fourth pick in our draft. And then here, I think we get into some preference stuff because I'm going to wrap around here at the start of round two. And we'll do that next on the crossover episode of Buckeye Talk on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Back with the second round, Doug Lee Maurice, Ashley Bastock, Stephen Means, Dan Lobby. Kicking off the second round, I'm going to take a guy who I think is a future Hall of Famer. And I'm going to take Cam Hayward. And this is a guy, when I, I went through all the, P- and listen, PFF grades are just a, a way to put a number on something. They're not the end all be all. They're helpful. Of all the Ohio State guys who played at least 50% of the snaps a year ago and ranked in the top 50 of PFF grades at their position, okay? That's 16 guys for Ohio State. Cam Hayward had the highest grade. Nick Bosa was an 89.4. Cam Hayward's a 90.8. You talked about Aaron Donald, Dan. Aaron Donald is the highest graded defensive tackle in the league last year. Cam Hayward's second. He's been doing it for well over a decade. He is an absolutely foundational piece of a foundational franchise. He does it at an incredibly high level for an incredibly long time, Dan. And I do not think he is like on the precipice of falling off a cliff with his level of performance. So I, I think there are arguments for another five to six guys here. I think we're getting into some, uh, an interesting range, but for me, I had Cam, Cam Hayward fourth on my list. And to me, this is the kind of player he is. There, there are on, on my board here uh, five players between Lattimore, who I had fourth, and Hayward. But I also can't argue with taking Hayward in this spot. Um, it was a little more positional value, I guess, as I was, as I was kind of laying out my board. But listen, any Browns fan who has watched the Steelers over and over and over again and, and has just seen Cam Hayward in the middle of that defense – He's kind of the engine of, the, of that pass rush, and he's a stud on the field. He's a guy in the locker room who's just a constant. Um, 
you know, th- this is sort of anecdotal, but I'll know, you know, I went to Pittsburgh one week. It was after the Miles Garrett thing and the, the rematch was happening and Cam Hayward was just chilling at his locker and I walked over to him and he, you know, he didn't put up a wall. He didn't, you know, he answered every question I had for him. You could just tell that it was his locker room. It was his domain. Um, I, I can't argue with this pick there's on field, off field, even though I wouldn't have taken him here, that this isn't a bad pick. Steven and Ashley, you guys think this is a little high for Cam Hayward or what do you think? Steven, what do you think? It's high, but I'm not a hundred percent sure he'd have been there the next time you picked. So I get it. Doug, I hate when you make me agree with you because I had him at number five on my board. My top five players have all been chosen uh, almost in the order that I had them. I had, like I said, Denzel and uh, Lattimore flip there at three and four, but I, I don't think this is too high for him. I think that defense is so good. What he does for it is so important. He's a veteran on that defense. Um, and I, I really like this pick here. I did not, my board, I think is just chaos. I did not take into positional value into account as much as Dan did, I think, but I'm, I'm okay with that. I like this pick here. That, that's the argument against it though, right? Doug is like, probably if you're, if you're really thinking about positional value, you probably should have taken one of the receivers here. You could go receiver. You could maybe try another edge rusher, but I do think, I mean, he's not like a space-eating defensive tackle. He's an impactful defensive tackle. So I do think in terms of affecting the passing game, I do think you do get some value there. He's a three-time first-team All-Pro, including this past year. He's a five-time Pro Bowler. He's been in the league 11 years. And, Stephen, to your point about availability, this is the number of games that Cam Hayward has played each year since he came into the league. 16, 16, 16, 16, 16, 7, 15, 16, 16, 15, 17. He's played every game every year except one year he missed half a season for a decade in the league at a physical position. So um, I, I think he is. And again, when we're talking about, I don't know how many guys on this list after the Bosa's, even, even Denzel and Marshawn Latimer, would you say they're one of the two best guys in the league at their position? You can have a conversation sometimes, like, but I think Cam Hayward legitimately is like maybe the second best defensive tackle in the league, probably in the top five for sure, no doubt about it. So I feel good about the pick. He'll be number five, and we go to Stephen Mead to pick number six. Yeah, positional value. I should probably take a receiver here, but I'll hold off because I think that position is pretty deep, and I can still get a good guy, especially my favorite guy. Um, for people who listen to Buckeye talk. I'm going to go running back here. I know it's probably a little high, but I'm taking Ezekiel Elliott here. I understand he hasn't been the Ezekiel Elliott he was when he first got in the league, and he was basically the best running back in the league for a Super Bowl winning team, but he's like fourth among active guys in rushing yards in his career so far, and he's still quality at this position. And when the drop-off from what he is into what everybody else is at his position for Ohio State, you've got to take that into account here and maybe take him a little higher than you want to. So – this enters a conversation of whether Ezekiel Elliott is in a little bit of a blip or whether Ezekiel Elliott is in decline. Because when you look at his uh, rushing yards per season, rookie year, burst on the scene in 2016, 1,631 rushing yards. Then he missed some games the next year, 983. Then 1,434 in 2018, 1,357 in 2019. The last two years, 979 and 1,002. He played every game last year. He had 1,002 yards, 4.2 yards per carry. Ashley, when you try to evaluate Ezekiel Elliott, the last two years haven't been as good, 
as the first four years. We know about the wear and tear on running backs. How do you evaluate that? Yeah, I actually did have him in this range um, in on my board, but it is tough, right? Because that this is one of the positions we talk about the most in terms of tread on the tires and and how quickly that can add up. But for me, like part of the reason why I still had him that high is he's never averaged below four yards a carry um, in each individual season that he's played. So I was still willing to put him higher given some of the other guys on the list. And maybe that's playing to his past performance a little bit too much. And it might be a little too high for him here, but we are in this weird range now where I think it do, it does just kind of become about personal preference at this point. Dan, a six year running back, how do you try to evaluate where he is in his career? So I, I do this sometimes. I, I'm probably not giving Ezekiel Elliott enough credit at this point in his career. Um, I did not even, I didn't have him anywhere close here. I actually, spoiler alert, didn't even have him as the top running back on, on my list. I mm. just think if there's a decline happening, everything is pointing to it happening. You know, this is a guy that twice has led the league in rushing attempts three times in his career. He's gone over 300 rushes. He's a very physical player. Like even going back to his Ohio state days, this was a guy that loved to block uh, in Dallas too. loved to block, never shied away from contact. Everything kind of points to if a decline is happening, it's going to happen fast. Uh, you know, like Derrick Henry's a freak that like Derrick Henry should be declining at this point too, with the way that he plays the game. And so that's my concern with Ezekiel Elliott because has been one of my favorite runners to watch going back to those Buckeyes days. But like, I, I am a little concerned and they've been mixing in a lot of Tony Pollard in Dallas. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm just a little concerned about where Zeke is physically and, and where this might go. I have similar concerns. I had him 10th uh, on my list. He's picked here at six, which is not a huge gap, but I do think, I think there's a couple more ascending guys who are um, among some of these Buckeyes where Zeke could run for 1500 yards this year. He could, but I think there's a couple guys who have been good and more is coming and maybe Ashley Bastock will pick one of them next to pick seven. Yeah, I am going to go with an ascending pick here. Um, I am going to go receiver and I am going with this guy because of recent injuries to somebody else. So I'm going to take Garrett Wilson here. Oh, oh, I am. Wait. Oh my God. Oh, orange and Brown talk listeners. If you are, this is a, this is war. Watch it. Ashley, you don't know what you just did. Doug, you're not picking again for like it's not six me. It's not, not me. Is it Steven? Can, can oh, I tell yeah. you something? Can I tell you something? If Ashley didn't take him, he wasn't getting. I know. Whoa. I know. I know. He, he was, I know. he was the topper. He was the top receiver on my board too. Yeah. I know, I know. I know. Um, I, I, when I picked Zeke, I basically sacrificed the fact that in the next four <laughs> picks, Garrett was going to be gone. I knew that. And I'm crying when they inside. I'm very sorry. I I made a top 11 and Garrett Wilson wasn't in it. Interesting. I have two receivers ahead of him. Okay. So two Ohio state receivers ahead of him. Why Garrett, why Garrett Wilson here? Now listen, he's the number 10 pick in the draft. He's going to get the ball boatload from Zach Wilson. He is going to be a defining part of the New York jets offense. And I think he absolutely has a chance to put up huge numbers, bigger numbers than he did at Ohio state. We've made a lot of Justin Jefferson, Jamar chase, instant impact comparisons here. You know what, Steven, let's let you talk about Garrett Wilson. Let's let, before we go back to Ashley's pick, it's, it's Steven's <laughs> pick in his heart, 
It's no, Ashley's no. pick on the board. So, Stephen, when you think about what you believe Garrett Wilson will do as a rookie, what kind of level he will play at, what do you think it's going to look like, Stephen? You threw it out there, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, that rookie receiver who comes in as a number one option for a young quarterback and immediately is the guy, an all-pro level receiver from day one, and that's how they're going to use him. And they almost can do a little bit more with him, and we've seen with Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. They can use him you know, in jet sweep situations. They can send him deep as an X receiver. They can use him as Z. They can use him all over the field and really get creative with him and Zach Wilson because the rest of the Jets receiver core isn't very good in comparison to what Garrett Wilson is. And so – yeah, I played this one wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley, would you like to trade Garrett Wilson for Ezekiel Elliott? Ezekiel Elliott. Um, the you know, that's, that's, I'm going to have to get more from Steven, and that will yeah. not be a straight-up trade that I would oh, accept. I do that. But, <laughs> but, yeah, you know, for me, when it came down to ranking these receivers, I did think this was hard. Like I said, I, I did value the ascendancy here. Um, and obviously, like, the other guy that I was looking at here – potentially Michael Thomas didn't play last year. So that was a factor for me. Obviously we spent a lot of time talking about Garrett Wilson for our orange and Brown talk listeners as well. Um, I think the thing that we all liked about him when the Browns still had that 13th pick and we talked about him constantly uh, was just the way he can also just get open in multiple ways, kind of all over the field. Um, and I think that's just what makes him so special. That's why he was, you know, considered by many to be the top wide receiver in this draft class, even though Drake London from USC did end up going ahead of him. Uh, I thought Garrett Wilson should have been first. So I'm really happy that I got, I think, a good value pick here by, by Stephen passing up and taking Ezekiel Elliott. So, Dan, you were going to take Garrett Wilson at some point here. You had him as your number one Ohio State receiver also, Dan? Yep. All right. I First of all, as much as I liked Drake London, I can't believe that he was the first receiver off the board. I mean, Garrett Wilson was like universally thought of as uh, outside of Atlanta, I guess, as the best receiver in the draft. And I think the only reason that he won't have, and, and I'm not sure if he will or won't, but if he doesn't have a Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase type season, it's going to be because Zach Wilson isn't any good. It's uh-huh. not going to be because of him. Uh-huh. So I, I just think when I looked at the receivers available, including the established guys, I just like Garrett Wilson's upside more. Um, and I, I think we're, we're probably going to have a Michael Thomas discussion here soon, but I, I, I just had to have Garrett. It just, it just felt right having Garrett Wilson at the top of the board. I think he's the guy that has the most, I, I don't think there's really any bust potential there. And I think the, the boom potential is just through the roof. All right. So Dan lobby, are you going to go receiver or somewhere else? You're up with picks eight and nine. Yes. I've got back to backers here and I am going to go receiver on this first one. Um, and I'm going to go with Terry McLaurin. I, I like the athleticism. I like the speed. The guy can make circus catches. Um, I, I think he's more of a downfield threat than, than Michael Thomas is. Uh, so he's going to be, he was the second receiver on my board. Uh, so I'm going to take him here again, a guy that hasn't had consistent quarterback play in Washington. We can just go through that long list of quarterbacks that he's had to play with. And he's just been really good, a little older, honestly, kind of surprised me his age, but um, I, I still like him as my second receiver off the board here. 58 catches, 919 yards as a rookie in 2019, 87 catches for 1118 in 2020, 77 catches for 1,053 in year three. I also would have taken Terry McLaurin ahead of Garrett Wilson, but the thing that would hold that back is he's playing with Carson Wentz. 
So it's like, oh, well, yeah, Terry McLaurin, he's never had a good quarterback. And it's like, and he's still not going to have a good quarterback. So at some point, Terry McLaurin might have somebody that can actually throw him the ball. But I just think as much as the Garrett Wilson explosion is out there, year four, Terry McLaurin, this guy knows exactly what's up right now. And I think there is a year four Terry McLaurin explosion possibly coming as well. If the quarterback play in Washington is even, you know, right, Dan, I mean, I'm, I just make Carson Wentz jokes, jokes, but like he probably is better than what they've been using at quarterback in Terry McLaurin's career. I think Terry McLaurin could have 1500 receiving yards for the commanders this year. Well, and we've talked about this on, you know, the Brown side of it, like, you know, well, these, these receivers on the Browns are going to be better because of better quarterback play. Right. And, and yes, they will be. But at the same time, there are plenty of guys in this league that produce outside of their quarterback play. And Terry McLaurin has obviously been one of those guys. And that tells me something about him. All right. Make, so your, make your second pick here, Dan. I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back to the edge rusher because I, I, I can't take back-to-back receivers here. So I'm going to take Chase Young. I, I still think there's a lot of upside there. I know he maybe hasn't quite lived up to the, the Bosa-like hype that he was getting when he came out, but I still think the guy's a freak, and I still think he can have an absolutely explosive career as an edge rusher. So I'm going to take a second edge rusher here in Chase Young. So, Stephen, a guy like Chase Young – He's entering year three. We're going a little bit still on potential here because he kind of had just a weird 2021. But, Stephen, I don't know that we have any reason to think that all pro-level edge rushing isn't still possible for Chase Young, right? Well, right now I'm just stuck on the fact that I should have took a wraparound pick. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know how this is going to go for me. Yeah, I think he's really good in the, in the run. But I think at the college level, he was just so much better than everybody else he played against that the speed rush got him 16 and a half sacks and a bunch of strip sacks. And just like a lot of guys who are freak athletes, they've got to learn how to actually, you know, win with their hands and win with some skill. And maybe he would have, we would have seen that last year had he not had a torn ACL. And so now entering year three, do we start to see that part of it? Because the Boses were such technicians already when they got to Ohio State that Larry Johnson just refined that and, I mean, we saw what they were once they got to the NFL while Chase is maybe a little bit more upside in comparison to those two. But I like the pick here. You could have gone wide receiver here and left Chase for me, but you decided not. (laughs) I mean, that's what happens when you take a running back so high. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I do think uh, Chase had one and a half sacks in nine games before his knee injury last year. Mm -hmm. And I know there was, I think some people think maybe Chase got in his own head a little bit. He had a nice rookie year. Do you start? getting ahead of yourself slightly. I I could see like the Chase Young that we covered. Could I see him doing that? I could see him doing that a little bit. And then could I see him like doubling down and coming back and being like, that's not going to happen anymore. And like digging in and having a gigantic season once he comes back from the knee injury. Yes, I could see that also. So I think this is a little bit of an upside pick. He went at nine. I had him at nine. Ashley, we're going to get to your pick, but would you have taken Chase Young here, Ashley, if he was available? Or what do you think of this selection? Yeah, no, I actually had him in my top 10 and it still is mostly because there are a handful of guys on this list who are young and due to injuries or whatever else, I just think that their potential is still out there and and we don't 
we haven't seen the best of them yet from remembering what they did at Ohio state. Um, and he was one of those guys. And, and I think this is a good pick for, for Dan. And now I have to figure out if I want to take a second receiver here. All right. It's pick number 10 for you, Ashley. This is tough, but I am going to stay true to my board and I will take Michael Thomas here because I did have him in my top 10 still. And obviously I said with my last pick, the fact that he did not play last year, he's only played in, I think like seven games in the last two years or something, but all the 1000 yard seasons he's had, I think he's gone over 1100 yards the first like four years of his career. Um, so yeah, I'll take the veteran receiver here and hope that he still has a lot more left in the tank. So Michael Thomas, 2016 as a rookie, 92 catches, 1137. 2017, 104 catches, 1245. 2018, 125 catches, 1405 yards. 2019, 149 catches, 1725 yards. And then his career, like, went into a coma. He had this 2020 season. He played in seven games, 40 catches for 438, and he didn't play last year. He's had injuries. He's had arguments with the Saints. He saw Drew Brees retire. I still had Michael Thomas fifth on my list because last time we really saw him, I think, Dan, he was the best receiver in the NFL. And now if life gets back to normal, and I do think he might be rejuvenated by Chris Olave, who's still on the board, joining him in New Orleans, Dan, I'm not, not expecting Michael Thomas to return to best receiver in the league conversation type of form. And if he does, then he's just, he's a top four guy in this draft, not number 10. Yeah. I mean, I guess for me, I went with a little bit more flash, I guess with how I sort of rated my board. And then also there is the injury issue, right. Where he didn't play at all last year. And I don't know how much of his like lack of, you know, lack of depth of target and all of that. He got called slant boy on Twitter by Carlton Davis. <laughs> I don't know how much of that is because he was playing with Drew Brees, who was at the end and really wasn't getting the ball downfield a whole lot. Uh, and, and I don't know mu- how much of it is just kind of that's who he is as a receiver, but he's still really efficient and he's still really good. And I, I think this is about the, I think we've got him in the right spot kind of among these receivers. And it's just sort of what you prefer. Do you prefer that kind of reliable He's going to catch, you know, a million footballs, or do you kind of want that downfield splashy guy, which is what I think we took first in Garrett Wilson and Terry McLaurin. Steven, were you going to take Michael Thomas here if he was available? I was going to have a discussion in my head that Ashley just made very easy for me. Um, (laughs) I get it, uh, but we're two years removed from that season when he had 149 touchdowns and a lot's changed at this point. Um, I, I just don't know. That's that's too much of a question for me at this point. While there are some upside receivers, well, one's still on the board, at least for another 15 seconds until I stop talking <laughs> and give me my pick, and then he won't be there anymore. This was well, Stephen, I think you and I then had the same discussion planned in our head yes. because that is what I was doing. Yes. And, and I'm like, well, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna go with the veteran here. So I, I know where you're going and and I it's the right move on my according to yes. my big board. All right, yeah. make that I'm like, I'm like the Lions, my card is already in before you can even <laughs> say the name of the guy before for me i'm taking chris olave here um one because james is a gunslinger of all gunslingers and loves to chuck it and what goes better with a guy who likes to chuck it than a guy who can take the top off the defense 
Chris Olave is a touchdown magnet. He's got 35 career touchdowns. That's the most in Ohio State history. He's got two seasons with at least 10 and honestly would have had three had COVID not ruined the world for everybody here. And I just think the way we're talking about Terry McLaurin, I think we might be talking about Chris Olave that same way at the end of next season. And it's like, if I can just get the younger version of Terry McLaurin with a quarterback who actually has an arm to get it down the field and isn't a noodle arm, I like the upside there. I don't necessarily like it as much as Garrett Wilson because he's not necessarily as explosive, but he's a smooth route runner who can take the top off to the defense, and you need that. All right, let's have another discussion. Let's have another comparison discussion. Steven, Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, who do you think will be the better receiver for the Saints this year? Chris Olave. Ashley, Michael Thomas, Chris Olave. You took Michael Thomas first. Who do you think will be the better receiver for the Saints this year? I feel like I have to say Michael Thomas in my head. I'm like, it's probably going to be Olave because I think there's a world, right? I think I, here's my problem. I didn't want to take both rookie receivers and have everyone go nuts. Right. So I, and, and I did have Michael Thomas, just the experience factor and the fact that, you know, I've loved, loved reading about how, how excited they are to, to play together and this relationship they have. And I think obviously Michael Thomas could be really good for Chris Olave's development. Um, and I do think there is a world where we look back on this 2022 draft and Chris Olave was the best receiver taken out of it, but I'm going to stay with my, I'm going to stay with my pick. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to back it up. I'm going to say Michael Thomas, he's going to have a resurgence this year and Chris Olave is going to get to learn behind him. Dan, better receiver in 2022 for the saints. Which one? I, I've got to say Olave Cause I know he's going to play. I, I just, you yeah. just haven't seen it. I mean, like Steven said, we haven't seen it from Michael Thomas in two years. Yeah, I, I'm I'm waiting for the Michael Thomas re-explosion. And uh, it's not that I don't think Olave is going to be good, but I could just see Michael Thomas getting fed and it being a, a maybe decently de- clear delineation of who's the number one and who's the number two for now in New Orleans. Because I actually think there are parts of Chris Olave that profile a little better almost as a number two. Maybe for now, where it's like, hey, we we threw the ball to Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas had 15 targets today and had 11 catches, and Chris Olave had eight targets today and had six catches, but they both had over 100 receiving yards, right? You know what I mean? But it's like, well, who's just a little more primary part of the game plan? But again, the idea of your best ability is your availability. Michael Thomas has to get back on the field, but we we just can't forget what Michael Thomas was two years ago when I mean he was. He was dominant. 149 catches is ridiculous. I think that there is one more superstar left in this draft that I'm going to pick at pick 12. And I don't know if people use the word superstar with centers, but Corey Lindsley is an NFL superstar. He is arguably the best center in the NFL. The Chargers gave him a gazillion dollars to leave Green Bay. He went from being Aaron Rodgers center to being Justin Herbert center. He has done it for almost a decade. It is one of the more amazing stories that I have been around. And I have told Corey Lindsley to his face multiple times. I cannot believe what you became. I never would have guessed it in a million years. And I can say that to him because he agrees. He didn't know he was going to be this. He has been in the league one, two, three, four, eight years. 
games played, 16, 13, 9, 16, 16, 16, 13, 16. He's out there constantly. He's as good as it gets. I wasn't that worried about him getting to me at this spot because we got, you know, receivers are fun. But Dan, the guy's a stud. He's a no doubt about it stud at what he does. And centers matter. So I'm taking Corey Lindsley at 12. I, when I was doing research for this and I got to Corey Lindsley, I, I had to like stop. I'm like, oh my, I didn't realize just how like accomplished and good Corey Lindsley was. This is the guy that took over for JC Treader after the Browns signed him away from Green Bay. We know how good JC Treader has been when he was here. He had some health issues when he was in Green Bay. Yeah, I, I mean, again, not the guy I would have taken here, but probably the best player available. He was a first team all pro in 2020. He was a second team all pro in 2021. And he's just good at his job. So did Ashley, did I see you? Do were you hoping you'd get Corey yes. Lindsley back to you yet? No, yes. no chance. I had him at number yeah, 12. I can't share yeah. my screen with you. And if I did, it wouldn't be best for the listening experience anyway, because our listeners can't see it. <laughs> I had Corey Lindsley at number 12. And the thing, Mary Kay's not on this podcast, but I will say what she always says on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. You don't know how bad you need a center until you don't have a good one. Like he's the prime example of that. Definitely. I think maybe I'm going to say Dan underrated on your board. If you had him lower than this, probably, but I also, we, we all know how much I appreciate linemen. I did take Joel Batonio in the first round with the second overall pick in our orange and Brown stock, 20 best Browns players draft uh, a few weeks ago. So I, I love this pick. I'm very upset. I now have to go in a different direction in three picks from now. Steven, you're like, you knew no center was getting yeah. past me to get back to Ashley. Of course not. And if for some reason you didn't take him and were that crazy, he was coming with me. There was no chance you were getting caught. I'm sorry. So Dan was the only one who wasn't a threat to me with this pick. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think there's a line here. I, I think this is the line. I think there's a little bit of a drop off here. I'll be curious to see if anybody has strong opinions against that. I think we start to get into either a little more uncertainty or just not quite the level of play. So I'm going to take a guy as my second pick on the wraparound here, who has been a super important part of a really good team. It's another do your job kind of guy, a guy that when he left Ohio state, I never would have expected that he would go this high in a draft like this so early in his career, but I'll take Jordan Fuller from the LA Rams who has been a captain for the Rams who sort of allowed them to lose John Johnson the third, and they were fine. He actually didn't get to play in the Super Bowl and didn't was, wasn't part of the playoff run because he got hurt right at the end of the regular season. But he is a fundamental part of what the Rams do as a sixth-round pick. And so, you know, is it flashy or explosive or just like high-end spectacular play? He was a 74.3 PFF grade last year, 16th among safeties who played at least half their snaps. I didn't know exactly where to go. To me, there's kind of a big, Corey Lindsley is like a pro bowler and Jordan Fuller is like a good solid young player. So there's a gap there to me, but I feel decent about it. Steven, what do you think about Jordan Fuller here? Is this too early? Possibly, but also we've been spending, we spent his entire Ohio State career underrating him and he continues to outplay the way we've talked about him. So I don't know if he should have been the first guy on this next line of group to come off the board, but I do think he should have been among like the first three or four guys. So I respect the pick. Anybody else have a strong Jordan Fuller thoughts? Or are you happy to let me pick him? I, 
I, I just think this is a this is the point where you are you taking upside or are you taking like established? I know what this guy is, and with Jordan Fuller, um, with some other guys on this list, Von Bell is is another safety that that we'll talk about. There's guys on this list that you're like, okay, I know exactly who that guy is, and then there's some players around here, including one I would have taken, where I'm like, I still really love that upside. Yep. I still think that guy can become a star, even though he's not quite to that level yet. So I, I just think that's sort of the point we're at in this draft. Yeah, I just think it's going to get weird from here on out, potentially, number one. Um, and number two, I mean, I don't hate this pick here. I did have him in the top half of my board. I don't even know what number overall pick that we are at. Um, but he's a good player on a good team. Defensive backs are a premium in this league. Um I don't hate it here. And I know they went through that, that Super Bowl run without him, but he's definitely a key part to that defense. All right. We are at pick 14 and it's the Steven means. Yeah. I need a pass rusher since I've missed out on all the elite guys. Thanks to Dan for taking two of them. <laughs> um, so I'm going to go Sam Hubbard here. He made some big plays that got the Bengals to the Super Bowl. I think he's another does his job pretty well. Guys, not elite, but I think he's a quality edge rusher and I need one. So I'm going Sam Hubbard here, which is probably a little bit high, but given how my other picks have gone, I'm at, I'm, I need to get a need here instead of necessarily the best guy on the board. 67.7 PFF grade among edge rushers who played at least half their team snaps 30th in the league, a third round pick. He's, I wasn't sure what Sam Hubbard would be like in the NFL. He's good. Like that, that Bengals defense for the fact they made the Super Bowl. They had a couple holes. They have some holes on the offensive line. Sam Hubbard's good. Sam Hubbard's like, Sam Hubbard be, might be one of the Bengals' 10 best players. He might be one of the 10 best players for a team that made the Super Bowl, Ashley. So I'd put that on my resume. I think this is the range for Hubbard. And, and again, upside. I think there might even be like more Hubbard upside than Fuller upside, potentially. What do you think yeah. of the Sam Hubbard pick, Ashley? Yeah, I don't, I do not hate it here. I think this is probably around the right range for him, kind of like what we said. And I know like when the Browns played the Bengals this year, like we almost, I think we talked about him as like an underrated part of this defense potentially. Now, as we talk about on the Orange and Brown Talk pod a lot, the Browns this past season, especially really just matched up with the Bengals well for whatever reasons. Um, But I do think he's maybe an underrated part of their defense and especially in the AFC North where there's there's so many good defensive linemen. I think it's easy to, to get forgotten about. All right, Ashley, pick to you with number 15. Well, we're midway through. I think it's time to have this conversation, and I'm going to be the only one that has a quarterback in this draft because I'm taking <laughs> Justin Fields. Now, I do think this is one of those interesting guys in terms of the, the upside conversation. Obviously, the Bears did him no favors last year. He'll have a new offense this year. I think he's a player that when we're this off season is in the conversation to make a big second year jump. He only played 12 games last year. Um, I, I think we will see a lot more from him this season. And I think about mid, the midway point through the draft, I'm okay taking him here. He's supposed to be a franchise quarterback. I mean, if you think there's a, what I was saying, sort of a line after Lindsley at 12, Dan, you're talking upside, right? It's like, who has more upside than a guy like Justin Fields, who's in a mess of a situation in Chicago, but seems to have a whole lot of attributes that NFL teams want from winning quarterbacks. Did Justin Fields last too long here, Dan? No, I don't. And I think it's because we just, we just don't know with, with Justin mm-hmm. Fields. I mean, let me ask you this. If, 
if we were allowed to take current Ohio State players in this draft, would you have taken Justin Fields over C.J. Stroud? Probably not. Come back tomorrow for part two of the Orange and Brown yeah. Talk Buckeye Talk crossover as Dan Lobby you just did. blew our minds. You can't, you well, can't we can throw out three-hour pod ideas like that in the middle of a <laughs> can draft. We make, can, we make, can we say former Ohio State guys as well? Can Joe Burrow now be in the conversation so I can just take Joe Burrow? Yeah, we'll have a Joe Burrow, C.J. Stroud, Justin Fields draft tomorrow hey. to try to figure this out. I mean, I just, Steve, Stephen, probably C.J. Stroud would go ahead of Justin Fields if C.J. was in this draft, right? Right, Stephen? <laughs> Yeah, and it's just because I think C.J. Stroud's a better quarterback, even if Justin Fields is the better football player. It might have more upside. Dan, would so you I, take C.J. or would you take Justin right now as you thought about it? I think I would take C.J. Yeah. And I think it's – we spent all this time talking about how bad this quarterback class was in this last draft, right? Like, oh, my God, you can't take any of these guys. And the NFL actually showed a fair amount of restraint in not taking guys that they didn't believe in. I don't know about this this class that Justin Fields was in. And I like Justin Fields. I think there's something there. But after Trevor Lawrence, you've got Zach Wilson. You've got Trey Lance, Fields, Mac Jones. I mean, there's not – it almost feels like last year's quarterback class was – or were they that much better than this year's except teams just didn't show restraint. They just went and got guys. I don't know. I, I, I you know, I like Justin Fields, and I do think in the right system – he can thrive. Is he an elite top 10 quarterback? I'm a little iffier on that. We could look back on this draft in eight months and be like, wow, were we dumb? Because Justin Fields could start to show it. He really could. When you look at the PFF grades for overall offensive production, these are quarterbacks who played at least 20% of their team's snaps last year. Justin Fields was 28th, 29th, Baker Mayfield. <laughs> 30th Jared Goff, 31st Trevor Lawrence. Right. So, I mean, situation matters if we're taking him out of the Bears and putting him on good team X with an offensive coordinator who's going to do the things that Justin Fields does best. And I think he can do it all. He absolutely can do it all. He throws a, a great deep ball. I think he can throw outs. He can move in the pocket and throw. He can scramble and run when he has to. I, Steven, I don't have a ton of doubt about the upside that's still out there for Justin Fields. I think he's going to get there, Steven. And if he gets there in a, in a real way, if he gets there in a, hey, I'm one of the 10 or 12 best quarterbacks in the league, then he's no lower than sixth in a draft like this, right? So I think that's still out there. Yeah, I believe in the upside too. I just don't believe right now it's being catered to in a way that we're ever actually going to see it. And because of the style of quarterback he is, it's very dangerous territory where, to be quite honest with you, his offense this year might just be, hey, Justin, run around so you don't get murdered three million times in a game, yeah. which is just not a great environment for a quarter, a young quarterback to be in. Okay, fine, let's throw out last year and treat it like his freshman year at Georgia, where it's just like this thing that happened, and he's starting over from square one with this new new regime in there, and we'll see. But, I, I like I said, I believe in the upside. It's just I got to see it, and right now I don't think we're going to see it again this year just based off what the Bears – did in the draft and what they're doing so far this offseason. Steven, did you think about taking fields at all when you took Hubbard or not really? No, I did. Honestly, if the Bears would have taken had a, would have had a first round pick and I'd take given him a weapon this year, I think I would have taken him because then at least he has somebody to play catch with. But right now it's just kind of like Justin Fields and the Misfit Bears. 
Yeah, I, I like this pick here. I, I did not really give him a ton of thought when I picked Jordan Fuller, but but this feels like the right spot for him, Ashley. So I think that's a good pick. Dan, 16 and 17 to you. Okay, so 16. Like this is this is the upside pick here. I, I'm gonna take JK Dobbins. We didn't get to see what he could do last year. And I think that was one of the biggest disappointments of last season and that Ravens team that just got absolutely ravaged by injuries. Uh, But when you look at JK uh, 6.1 yards per touch in his rookie season, 925 total yards and PFF stuff, he was actually 12th in rushing grade his rookie year, ninth in yards after contact. And our buddy Scott Patsko likes to cite this breakaway percentage. uh, Sometimes at PFF tracks, he was third in, in breakaway percentage. You know, some of that stuff is a little like, okay, how are you, how are you tracking this? What does this actually mean? But I do think there's some value in like, okay, this tells me this guy was turning some runs into big plays. I think JK Dobbins again, in that Baltimore offense just fits really well with what they want to do. They're going to run the football. They're going to do that. The zone blocking stuff. I, I think he's, I think he was primed for a breakout year last year. And I think there, there's nothing different in my mind this year. So I'm, I'm actually really happy to get J.K. Dobbins here. If he doesn't get hurt last year, he's probably much higher on this list, Ashley. And, and I don't know that there's any reason to doubt he's going to be the guy. I don't know that there's any reason to doubt that J.K. Dobbins is going to have a really big year this season. Yeah, and kind of like Dan said, with the Ravens this year, he was one of those names that that always came up with okay, the Ravens, like, yes, the Browns beat the Ravens, but, like, they're not going to be like this next year. And obviously, like, the other big part of that was they basically had no secondary by the end of the season. But J.K. Dobbins was a huge missing piece, so I'm not mad at him here. I was kind of hoping against hope, knowing it wouldn't be possible to scoop him up with my next pick. But um, I I think this is a good pick here. Steven, what's your analysis of what you think J.K. Dobbins will be as a lead back in the NFL when he's healthy? Almost the opposite of the way I've talked about some other guys who missed last year and we need to see it again. I'm sold that he's just going to pick up right where he left off at the end of his rookie year. I think this is elite value for where he got drafted. I thought he should have been the first running back taken in that draft, and I think that probably proves itself out. Clyde Edwards-Alaire is average at best. The Chiefs have figured that out. They should have taken J.K. Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins is a lead back in the NFL. So this this is probably potentially too low for him. This is the upside thing you were talking about, Dan. It's a good pick. So who are you doubling up with at 17? Well, I'm going to take a boring guy here, and I'm just going to take Taylor Decker. I, I need an offensive lineman. This is sort of where I had him on my board. I'm not thrilled about it. I'm not, you know, jumping up and down in the, in the draft room here, but I'll just take a solid offensive lineman. I, I don't like, I don't <laughs> know what the more sophisticated discussion of, Taylor Decker is because he's been in the league a long time. He was picked in the middle of the first round. He is a left tackle in the NFL, which is hard to do. And he is fine. <laughs> like he's, he's a, he's a good player. Could you find a better left tackle? Yeah, I, I think you could. But if he is your left tackle, are you desperately going out and saying like, Oh my gosh, we have to replace Taylor Decker at left tackle. No, you're not saying that. So it's hard sometimes, obviously with linemen, if they're not pro bowlers, like Corey Lindsley is, it's hard to kind of squeeze them in to drafts like this. He did get hurt last year. He had played basically his whole career as a rookie in 2016, all 16 games, 2017, eight games, 2018, 16, 2019, 15, 2020, 16. And then an injury last year, he only played nine games, but 
Ashley, good left tackles you can't take for granted, right? Right. I just said that with my, with, you know, recent pick, your recent pick there, Doug. So I, I just think in general, offensive linemen, you, you can't go wrong with that. It's, again, a situation where until you don't have a good tackle, you don't understand how badly you need one. Um, and obviously, I think Browns fans got, got a taste of that this year where Cleveland didn't have a swing tackle. Um, they had injuries at both of those tackle spots for most of the years to kind of localize it a little bit for, for Browns fans. But um, I don't hate this pick, Dan. It's like I said, it's weird territory now. That, right, that sums up. That sums up the Taylor Decker pick, by the way. <laughs> I don't hate it. Exactly. Yeah. But like, but that's, that's okay. That's okay, Dan. It's okay. just to not be hated at this pick, but again, positional premium, right? Left tackle is pretty good for that. And so will Taylor Decker ever be a pro bowler? I, I don't know. Probably not. But will he be a 10-year left tackle in the league? Or at least one of the tackles in the league for a decade? Yeah. that And that's not that easy to do. All right, Ashley, pick 18 to you. I'm going to go Von Bell here. Um, and I think that Bengals secondary is now in general kind of in an interesting situation since they drafted Dax Till out of Michigan um, and how many of those guys are like who they're exactly going to have him replace if anybody in, in one to two years down the road and what we see. But you look at Von Bell's year, he had the highest coverage grade on that defense for them. Um, he, if, you know, what have you done for me lately league? He got that interception off of Mahomes and overtime in the AFC championship grade or championship game. He only missed 12 tackles this year. So 9.4 missed tackle percentage, according to PFF. Um, and yeah, that, that Bengals secondary for me is kind of, kind of weird, but I'm going to take him here. I love Von Bell. I love Von Bell with all my heart. And I was debating between him and Jordan Fuller when I made pick number 13. So it's two guys. They both were in the Super Bowl. Von Bell had a really nice run in New Orleans, and then he signed as a free agent with the Bengals. And he, again, for a not great defense, I think he's really important to them. He is a little more of a playmaker. And he's just like, he was a really good underrated player at Ohio State. He was a second round pick. I just think he is a really good football player who's a pretty good combination of Solid, steady, dependable with some playmaking ability in there. I certainly, if he had gotten back to me, would have taken Von Bell. Steven, what are your Von Bell thoughts? He took my safety. Oh, Von Bell thoughts. I love the Ashley Steven war that we're developing here. This is great. Content. Oh, man. Well, it's all because you let me pick where I wanted to draft first. It's yeah. all in my way. Well, I honestly, I would have taken Von Bell over Jordan Fuller, honestly. And I understand the upside, but it's. At safety in that situation, I'm going to go with the, the guy who's a little bit more established than the guy with some upside. And maybe once again, I'm underrating Jordan Fuller. He might just be one of the best safeties in the league this year. But I, I would have gone Von Bell over, over Jordan Fuller. So, well, now I get neither. So it is what it is. <laughs> and now I get neither. You've watched I'm having, these- a Oakland, I'm having a Las Vegas Raiders draft over here, man. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah, Steven's going to wind up with like some some third string guard as his next pick because he's not going to know what to do. Dan, you've watched a decent amount of Von Bell in the AFC North. What do you think of this pick? You know, just a really Cincinnati was so smart with with how they built their team, and they're they're kind of a team that does it quietly. They they do things on the cheap. Uh, people who cover the team, I think, have to call it efficient, but we all kind of know what that means. Um, 
you know, they bring him in, pair him with Jordan, uh, with, oh my gosh, Jesse Bates. Yep. And they've made some good draft picks. And I, I think they've just built a really nice defense to go with what they, they sort of built through the draft on offense. And he's one of those guys. All right. Pick 19 to Steven. So before I make this pick, I'm going to ask all you NFL guys out there, guys and gals, since you guys know the NFL, but I do. Is the world just out on Jeff Okuda? I had him pretty high on my board. I'm actually glad you asked this because when I came to him on the list of of players that Doug sent, I'm like, this dude was the number three pick two years ago and he was hurt last year. Are we really just going to ignore how good he was? was? He got hurt the year before too. So I think we've just, I think society has maybe forgotten about him too much for how good. And he wasn't, and he wasn't like, he wasn't good. His rookie year. He He wasn't very bad. Still, I I don't think you can give up a guy, give up on a guy, especially if you take him that high. Ten games in two years. Played nine games as a rookie, played only one game last year, and he did struggle as a rookie when he was on the field. We just, Stephen, I feel like we know less. He's been in the league two years. I think we know less about him than when he came out of Ohio State. I didn't have any doubt about him. Third pick in the draft makes sense to me. I thought the two best corners that I watched in my career at Ohio State were Marshawn Lattimore and Jeff Okuda. I did not have any questions about him, but there are a gazillion questions around him right now. But Detroit's trying to build something there, and if Jeff Okuda this year comes back and is what people drafted him to be, that's game changer for the Lions. So is that is that your pick here, or are you just asking? Yeah, it is. And then you're going to no, take Josh no, Myers. No, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm going to take Jeff Okuda. I feel like if he was the ninth pick instead of the third pick, I wouldn't have been in a position to ask that question. And it's just been, oh, yeah, he's been hurt and let him get healthy. But the last time I saw him with a decent edge rusher, I mean, he was a Thorpe Award finalist. I understand that's the college level, but they just went and got Aiden Hutchinson, who should stir up that defensive line a little bit. And if he's healthy and he's anything close to what he was as a prospect, then, you know, I think there's a chance he might break out this year and look a little bit more like that number three pick that he was. And I think this is good value here. You're talking upside a lot, Dan. This is upside, right? Right. And and the only issue here that Akuda has to face is the guy who drafted him is gone. Um, yes. and that's, that's always something that crops. Yeah, every GM loves to say, well, you know, we're not like that. We don't do that. But then when all is said and done, they are like that. And they do kind of tend to go to their guys. So this is a huge year for Akuda because if he does come out and struggle, they're not going to be shy to move on because he wasn't their pick. Okay. So I'm going to go opposite of that. But same team. And this will make third out of four picks for the Detroit Lions. And I'm going to take Jonah Jackson, who is just a good NFL guard. He was in the top 20 uh, among PFF guards in the league last year. He is an every week guy since the moment he got in the league. He's played more than a thousand snaps in each of his two seasons in the NFL. He came in as a third round pick and the Lions were like, cool, you're a starter. And he was like, okay. He played most of his career at Rutgers. He played one year at Ohio State as a transfer, was an all big 10 level kind of player. It is one of those things where it's like, oh, we can't take Joe Burrow. It's like Joe Burrow was in Columbus for three years. Jonah Jackson was there for one. But this is how we do it. This is how we view guys. Russell Wilson's a Wisconsin guy, not a North Carolina State guy, even though he's at North Carolina State three times as long. Jonah Jackson is just a good guard. And Dan, you know what that looks like. It's like, what is it? Oh, one of those guards who plays every snap for 10 years, like that guy, 
where you just plug him in and that's a position you don't have to worry about. I think that's what he is already in two years. He's that. And I think he's going to keep being that. Yeah. Well, I mean, guard, guard play matters. And certainly the, the Browns are a team that value it. They just paid two guards, the highest salaries of, of any guards in the league. So, uh, you know, if you're going to be a team that runs the football, you've got to have good guard play. Um, yeah. I, I don't know where else you're going here unless you're just, again, this is that debate between, a guy you know who he is, or you're going to take somebody that might still have that potential who hasn't been healthy. Anyone mad? I took Jonah Jackson out from under him. <laughs> Not really. No, you're good. Take the guards, Doug. Oh, Doug got a guard to center. Cool team, bro. I get it. I'm the old guy taking linemen. I'll take Jerome Baker. He has picked 21. Jerome Baker, touchdown maker. I think there's upside left here. When he got drafted by the Dolphins, I was like, oh, poor Jerome Baker. And now the Dolphins are trying to get it back together a little bit. I think he's a really important part of their defense. I think he is a dynamic player. I think he's a leader. I think the Dolphins really like him. I think there's more out there. He plays a ton of snaps. Highest PFF grade in the world? No, 60.9 among linebackers. Among linebackers that played at least half their team snaps last year, 23rd, not bad. He is a solid, I think, with upside NFL linebacker. And I'm happy for him at how his career worked out because he had terrible coaching at Ohio State by Bill Davis, and he coached him into the ground. Jerome Baker had a chance, I think, to be a true college star, and he kind of wasn't because Luke Fickle left and he suffered. So he's a Benedictine kid. I just I like Jerome a lot, and I think he's having a very good NFL career. So I'm taking him here at 21. Now be jealous. People are going to take Jerome Baker, right? He's from Cleveland. Now you he guys was, are mad. He was around my my yeah. board on this list. He was somebody I would have considered for the next pick, Doug. There. Finally, I made Ashley mad. Now I'm happy again. Steven, pick 22 to you. I'm just glad you made it okay to take linebackers so I can take a linebacker now. Yeah. Um, I'm going to take Pete Warner here. Um, all upside, I mean, second round draft pick, PFF grade 79.9, 62 tackles last season. Another guy that on Buckeye Talk, we spent a lot of time underrating, and he has just been proving us wrong ever since. Um, he too had Bill Davis early in his career, yet he overcame that and also got out of Washington <laughs> in there as well. Um, all upside pick here for the Saints. Yeah, so I do think that I had a bit of a conversation with myself about Baker versus Warner you see a lot of there's a lot of like PFF graphics that come through about the kind of year that Pete Warner had as a rookie when you look at linebackers who played at least 20 percent of their team snaps last season which is significantly less than 50 percent among them he has the sixth highest linebacker PFF grade in the league but he only played 394 snaps Jerome Baker, in comparison, played 971. Jerome Baker is out there all the time doing what he's asked to do. I think Pete Warner is kind of put in situations where he was asked to do the things that he does best. So I don't doubt that Pete Warner can be a good player when he's asked to do more. I think it's a little bit of an artificial artificial PFF grade of like, okay, well, like it's a huge grade, but he's just doing Pete Warner things. But that guy, as you said, Stephen, we underrated him his whole career. He was a second-round pick. And actually, I know you were going to take Pete Warner next, right? You were all over Pete Warner if Stephen let him get to you. 
I, I did have Baker above Werner. That wasn't who I am going to take next, actually. But um, yeah, Stephen, I mean, I think this is an this is a total upside pick here or a big upside pick here, I should say. So um, yeah, definitely not not opposed to him being taken here. But I do think Baker first was the right move. Twenty third to you, Ashley. I am going to take as somebody else with upside, another rookie. I'm going to take Ruckert here. And, oh. um, yes, I am. I'm going to take him here. Um, call me Kevin Stefanski because I appreciate tight ends. So I'm going to take him here. And a big reason is, you know, I liked him when we were talking about the possibility of him coming to the Browns. Um, and I think when you talk about upside, obviously he has that because he has not played in the NFL yet. But I just think he has the potential to do a lot more in the past game, which we've obviously talked about repeatedly just the way Ohio State runs their offense. Um, I don't think we've really gotten to see him shine like that. And he's already was regarded as the best, best blocking tight end in this draft class with room to grow. So, um, yeah, I just think I'm, I'm happy with him here and I'm kind of excited to see how he develops. Third rookie draft is Steven. What do you think about Ruckert in this spot? I like it. Um, I think, I don't know if any other rookies are going to get drafted, but I thought the three that have gotten drafted so far should have been drafted. And I agree wholeheartedly. I think there's a chance that depending on what Rucker can do this off season, he might have more catches this season than he had his entire Ohio state career. And that's like not really a joke just because they didn't use him the same way at Ohio state that they might use him with the jets. Dan, we had some Rucker conversations as whether he would fit the Browns or not. Would he have fit the Dan lobby squad here? I, I mean, I, I wanted him in the third round. So yeah, I absolutely yeah. would have taken him here for sure. If, if Ashley wouldn't have taken him, he probably would have been one of my wraparound picks here. All right. So then we get to those wraparound picks. It's pick 24 and 25 for Dan. Okay. These, these are, I guess, a little weird. Um, I'm going to take two potential playmakers, both who have had some injury issues recently. The first one is Curtis Samuel. And apparently I am a Washington Commanders fan. So I've taken like three Washington players. He was pretty good in Carolina before he signed with Washington. And I actually wanted the Browns to maybe take a look at him um, when, when he was a free agent. Uh, he had 851 receiving yards, 200 rushing yards. Uh, he had some injury issues, did not have a good year in 2021. I still think there's something there with Curtis Samuel. And the other guy I'm going to take is just a guy that I think everybody just kind of wishes would just stay healthy. And I'm going to take Paris Campbell. So I guess I'm betting on one of those two on my team becoming kind of another playmaker to, to go with Terry McLaurin. But I also just, it's, they're two players I really like. And if they're healthy, they can be really good. I think Samuel probably still has something left. Paris Campbell, maybe we're just to a point where it's like, I just don't know if he can stay on the field. But if he can stay on the field, I think he can still be dynamic. I, th I think it's nice that they got paired together here because they're not the exact same player. Curtis has much more running back in him, even though Paris played running back in high school. Um, Paris is just a guy in the slot. You need to throw him short, quick stuff and let him go. Curtis is a pretty varied dude. I actually think his last year in Carolina in 2020, the Panthers finally figured out what to do with him. And he had a thousand yards from scrimmage. Like you said, 800 receiving 200 rushing, got a pretty good deal in free agency from Washington and then got hurt. So when he signed with Washington, I was like, oh, yeah, because Ron Rivera had him in Carolina and now has him in Washington. I was like, here we go with the real Curtis Samuel experience, which I, which I think might be something like 
a thousand receiving yards and 400 rushing yards, you know, like, like just a guy who is an absolute problem and it's just on hold. I don't think it's gone. Paris, I think is a little tougher fit. I actually thought second round for him was a little bit of an overdraft by the Colts a couple of years ago. He has been good at times when healthy, but man, he's had some injury problems, but I think for, for you, for Mr. Upside, Dan lobby, <laughs> These are absolute upside swings very late in the draft here. And again, we could look back in eight months and think, man, those guys are like two of the 12 best Ohio state players in the league. And you just got them at 24 and 25. Yeah. I mean, do I want to roll the dice on one of these two guys or do I want to take like a useful defensive tackle? I'm going to roll the dice. You got a little Steven means in you. That's how, <laughs> that's how Steven means seems the world. Steven's like, I'm not, I'm not taking a lineman. Steven's going to draft like, like it. Garrett Wilson's little brother in the next round. <laughs> he just wants to be associated with Garrett Wilson at some point. But we're, we're building get- a seven on seven team over here. I don't need that lineman for that. We're going to we're going to make Steven take a backup lineman. That's we're going to have a, an extra com- compensatory round in the draft where the backup <laughs> lineman portion of this crossover will finish all of that next after this. All right, we are 25 picks in, seven picks to go in our draft of the best Ohio State Buckeyes in the NFL. If you're listening to the Orange and Brown Talk feed, that's Stephen Means. You might not have heard a lot of him. He covers Ohio State and recruiting and basketball and a million different things for us. I'm Doug Maurice. I'm on both. You know me. Buckeye Talk, if you don't know our Browns people, Dan Lobby, been covering the Browns for how long for us, Dan? How long have you been on the Browns? Uh, my first year full-time on the beat was Hugh Jackson's first year. Oh, look at that. Oh, there you go. Look at that. <laughs> uh I'm not going to take the bait on a Hugh Jackson conversation because it's a crossover pod and I don't want to put the Buckeye people to sleep. And then Ashley Bastock, you joined us on the Browns beat uh, in the middle of last season. And Ashley, if anybody knows, uh, she gets one salary, but she has two jobs because she covers the Browns and the Cavaliers. So congratulations to Ashley on that. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. And you're also a drafter and you're up next. I am. I am up next. And, you know, I'm looking at my list here and I think I need an offensive lineman for somebody who's talked about appreciating them and i think the best guys are already off the board but i'm gonna go with a veteran here in andrew norwell um 13th best pass blocking grade this past season he's been consistently good while he was in carolina and jacksonville against the past not so good at run blocking um he isn't one of those guys that's played like every down in his career right i have his pro football reference page up he did play all 17 games last year all 16 in 2019 Uh, All 16 in 2017 when he was an All-Pro and all 16 in 2016 as well. So I got got an offensive lineman with little fanfare here late in the draft. I'm not sure there's a lot of former All-Pros floating around at pick 26. Yep. So and Norwell got a gigantic deal. It was weird. He was an All-Big Ten guy. And then he didn't get drafted. It was kind of weird they didn't get drafted. He signed his undrafted free agent in Carolina and was good. And then he broke the bank with Jacksonville when he got his next contract and he's still around it been in the year, like eight, it been in the league, like eight years. I mean, frankly, just for like productive long-term NFL guy, he's probably too low at this spot. Like there is no doubt that Andrew Norwell is a productive NFL player. And just because he's been around a while, he's not, again, he's not too old to play. He's still a starting lineman in the NFL. So I think this is a really good pick. You're making me feel better about this. No, pick. I, I feel this good is, about it, but this you're making me feel better than I felt originally taking him. Obviously, I had to feel good about it to take him in the first place. But um, yeah, this he's, hopefully is some value for me. He's a real dude. He's a real dude. No doubt about it. Uh, all right. Steven, pick 27 to you. 
Yeah. Um, the offensive lineman I was going to take is still there. I think the man above for that. I'm going to take Josh Myers here. Um, he's Packer center of the future. Another former second round pick. Um, yeah, I don't really have much more to say about offensive. I, I think there's some, it's another upside pick, obviously coming into his second year in the league here, but yeah. Well, he's, I mean, he's the center of the future. He's the center of, of now also. Yeah. Right. But did he have yeah. an, in, he, an injury last year? He did. And so he only played six games last year and he wasn't all that great. 58.3 was his PFF grade. So he wasn't, I mean, elite by any standards, but I mean, he's a center and a rookie center. How great are you supposed to be as a rookie center? But there's, there's clear upside there. Well, that's one of those where Corey Lindsley was the Packers center forever. And then he signed a huge free agent deal with the chargers. And then the Packers were like, Hey, we need a center now. And so they were just like, well, we'll just take the next Corey Lindsley. And they took Josh Myers in the second round. And so Josh Myers is like, Josh Myers is the Packers center. He's a second round pick. He's Aaron Rodgers center. He just got hurt last year, but I don't know. That's pretty good. 27th pick in the draft to take an Aaron Rodgers starting center. I'll buy that. Right, Dan. I mean, this guy, this guy hasn't shown it a lot yet, but that's what he's supposed to be. Right. And and part of this is trusting the Packers process a little bit too. Right. I mean, this is a team that has done it for a long time. They don't pay guys a lot. Uh, They'll let guys walk and and let players come in behind them. Like I said, with JC Treader, they did it with Lindsley. Now they're doing it here and they'll do that at other positions too. You know, despite kind of all the every offseason, we have the what are the Packers going to put around Aaron Rodgers discussion? They do draft really well. So I, I think you're kind of trusting the Packers process with this pick a little bit, too. All right. So we're getting we're, we're, we're getting down to it a little bit here. I everybody left. There are guys left. I mean, by my count, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys left who are kind of probably starters still, or at least like going to play a lot on either offense or defense. So I'll take the guy of that group that I think has the best upside still. And I'll take Draymond Jones defensive tackle for uh, the Denver Broncos was a third round pick has been in the league five years, 2019, 283 snaps, 2020, 560 snaps last year, 614 snaps. Not a great PFF grade last year. Had a pretty good grade in 2020. I like Draymond. He's got sort of defensive edge instincts and kind of a defensive end body that they moved inside, which was a smart move. In 2018 for Ohio State, once Nick Bosa got hurt, he was their best defensive player. And I think he's a good football player. And I I could see him playing even a little more with Denver. And again, going into year four, this is a big, you know, potentially a money year for him. I think there's more out there for him. And at the moment, he's a starting tackle on a team that's trying to do something because he just traded for Russell Wilson. So I don't know. People must have had Ashley was was Draymond Jones on your radar, at least as we got to the end of this draft. I had him at 25 um, and things got kind of weird towards the end. But um, I think he's a good depth player. I think 15 and a half sacks the last three years. So. He's a contributor, which at this stage, I think is, is all we can ask for as we get into the final rounds here. All right. And now I'm going to be weird. I think maybe there's two weird picks that are potentially out there. I think this guy, some people have thought about, I would guess I have perhaps too big of a soft spot for him because on a national championship level team, I once said that this guy did his job as well as anybody on the team, on a team that included Joey Bosa and Ezekiel Elliott and Vaughn Bell and Eli Apple and everybody else. And I'm going to take Cam Johnston, 
punter for the Houston Texans. He was on my list. Yeah, I was going to get weird and go there with my last pick. (laughs) So he started off with the Eagles. He then, I guess, signed as a free agent or something with the Texans. PFF grade last year for punter, right in the middle. Like the 16th best punter. He was really good at Ohio State. Australian guy, did all kinds of that rugby kick and stuff. I think he punts traditional style now in the NFL, but he's a good NFL punter. So Steven appreciates a good NFL punter. Ashley appreciates a good, good NFL punter. Dan, was he on your list? No, I was I wasn't gonna take him. Listen, my team's not gonna punt. <laughs> so I, I took a tackle that has scored touchdowns. So we're, we're not gonna punt. So I don't need him. I respect it. I respect it. Well, I, I, I kind of had him on my list that I wanted him on my team. I wanted him uh, in my locker room and he is my last pick. So we are starting the eighth round. That's my final pick of this draft. Steven, who was your final pick? Yeah, I can't get weird anymore. So I actually have to take this seriously. <laughs> um, I'll go pat off line here with another pick. Just another offensive lineman, just because I need somebody to block for Zeke. So he's not fumbling in the backfield. Projected starter in Carolina this year has had, you know, a bit Decent of a career, an okay career. I think he got cut in Minnesota at one point, wound yeah. up with the Jets, and now he's in Carolina. But he's projected to be a starting offensive lineman for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, I actually thought he might have a chance to even be uh, have a little higher level career than he's had so far. But he's a starter in the NFL. So again, as we kind of get down to this level, he he is projected to be a starter. I think that's a very solid pick at number 30. Ashley, it's 31 to you. Well, I'm going to get weird here because you took my punter, Doug, but I'm going to take Jake McQuaid, the long snapper out of Dallas. He is a two-time pro bowler. He has, if my research is correct, not missed a game in his NFL career. And that is longevity that I like. And with it being my last pick, I'm happy to take him. I just want to say right now, Ashley Bastock, I could not respect you more. Than I Thank do you. for that. Pick. I appreciate it. He I appreciate it. absolutely deserves to be picked. He is a decade-long NFL starter. He's been in like 11 years. He's never missed a game. And at times he has been judged to be among the best people in the league at what he does. Does should he go ahead of Garrett Wilson? No. Should he be picked in this draft? Absolutely. And the good news is I have both of those guys. Yeah. I mean, you got the yeah. big two. You got the big two. The and Dar- the only quarterback. And the only quarterback. Let's remember that, too. The Wilson and McQuaid jerseys are going to be flying off the shelf at AshleyBastock.com. Wow. <laughs> that is a great pick. And, Dan, I know that you were going to pick Jake McQuaid with the final pick if he had. But, no, we know that wasn't going to. Ashley, you saved the draft because Dan's did. like, no Dan, special teams Dan was in my most- league. No special teamers. He was hesitant to touch those offensive linemen. It's okay. I saved Jake McQuaid for us all. (laughs) All right. So then we will wrap it up with this, Dan. How do you finish off this draft at number 32? Man, I I have no idea, honestly. Um, I'm going to take a guy. I'm just going to load up on edge rushers. This is is actually what I have written about him. 88th in pressures among edge rushers in 2021, which isn't nothing. That might actually be nothing, <laughs> but <laughs> I think he plays on a pretty good defense in Indianapolis. You know, Taekwon Lewis, 
he's he's fine. That's a solid pick. There's, I, there's I nobody think... else on my board that I'm like. Uh, everybody on my board is just kind of fine, or they're Eli Apple. Yeah, oh. poor Eli Apple. <laughs> I was you like, Eli. like he was getting a camp invite. And you were cutting him after the first day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dan is on alert for any other injured receivers who might show a pulse in yeah. camp who went to Ohio state. <laughs> oh yeah. So, and if, if they show up, uh, Austin Mack and Ben Victor, you are on alert. Dan lobby <laughs> might t- cut Ky- Tyquan Lewis to get you on his roster. I think this is a solid pick here. I think he's like their third or fourth edge in Indianapolis. I, I, I he's not, I think he's a cut below a starting defensive player in the NFL. But again, as we've said many times with Dan, don't hate that pick. I have one, two, three. I have five guys on my list. When I said there, I have like 34 kind of starters for Ohio state. There are five guys left. Let me, did anyone think about seriously at all? Any of these guys, I actually don't know exactly what the Jacksonville tight end situation is, but Luke Farrell is there. Northeast Ohio guy was drafted by urban Meyer just finished his rookie year there. These are two actual defensive tackles who play and start Davon Hamilton in Jacksonville and Jonathan Hankins for the Raiders. Who's been around for a decade. I love big Hank. I'm, I'm I had on my list. Very impressed that he's had this length of an NFL career. Eli Apple, who by the way, started for a team that made the super bowl. But, I, was, eh. I wanted to say like, we, I don't know if he's worth a long conversation, but I do think he kind of falls into the, what have you done for me lately? Pit. And kind of was seen as like maybe the weak link of that secondary after the Super Bowl, especially. I mean, he gave up the game-winning touchdown, so I think that that hasn't helped him. And and now, like I said, with the the way they were drafting for their secondary and went up and took Dax Hill as high as they did, I'm very curious to because Dax Hill can kind of play both. He can play safety, he can play corner. Kind of depends on how you want to use him. Yeah, I think the thing with Eli, it's like he was on the Super Bowl, a team who reached the Super Bowl. And that's what you say. That's it. He was on the team. Yeah. It started, started, started for a team that made right. the Super Bowl. I mean, he's not the 53rd guy on the roster. You're Is right. he one of the best 50 corners in the NFL? Maybe not. So I think it's understandable that he didn't get picked. And then I will say, I don't even know how right this is, but on the depth chart that I'm looking at, Malik Hooker is listed as a projected yeah. starter for the Dallas Cowboys. And this is a guy who I thought was going to be great in the NFL. Also picked by the Colts injury issues there. I know he was a guy, I think he was looking for like one year deals in an off season, whether it was this, this off season or the year before Dan. And I was like, I think maybe a year ago. It's like, I, I think the Browns could throw a $1.5 million one year deal at Malik Hooker. I think he's still got some skills. I'm a little surprised Dan to see him projected as a starter in Dallas, but I'm also not surprised that he was not drafted by us. I mean, this is a guy that in 2017, when the Browns went on the clock at 12 before they traded that pick, fans wanted either Deshaun Watson or Malik Cooker. I mean, that's how highly thought of he was. And when Indi- and he was one of the guys when the Browns traded out of that pick that was like, oh, God, the Browns could have had Malik Cooker. And it just – I was going to ask, is he sort of the – I guess the most disappointing guy of the guys that we didn't pick just because there was so much – like potential there. And there was so much thought that he was going to come in and just be a stud safety. And everybody just loved that, that pick of him. I think it was Indianapolis. That's where he started his career. I mean, everybody loved that pick when he fell to them and it just hasn't worked out for him. 15th pick to Indy uh, in that 2017 draft as a rookie in Indianapolis, 410 snaps, second year in Indy, 
977 snaps, so playing all the time. 79 PFF grade, really good. Third year in Indy, 789 snaps, still playing a lot. 69 PFF grade, but then last year in Indy, hurt the whole year, only played 70 snaps. And then he was in Dallas last year, played about half the time and was okay. Um, I thought it was going to be great. Greg Schiano didn't do many favors. Like Greg Schiano, when he was here at Ohio State, again, having been in the NFL, was like, he's the best safety I've seen since Ed Reed. I was like, okay. So it's like, oh, wonder what he's going to be like. The best safety since Ed Reed. And it's like, I kind of can't stay healthy and he's been okay. I still think he has a chance to be better than okay. He seems to be exactly what you want from an NFL safety, but I think it was appropriate that he didn't get picked. Anybody else, any other name? that people have, you know, we didn't take Nicholas Petit Frere. We didn't take Tyreek Smith or Thayer Munford. These other guys who just got drafted. Anybody else? Thayer Munford was on my list. I mean, could potentially, I think 13th best guard Brugler had him as, or 13th best uh, in his rankings. And then maybe potentially a swing tackle. And then Trey Sermon, kind of an interesting guy who didn't play much, but I don't know. Yeah. Trey, Trey Sermon was one that I was wondering if, Maybe somebody would take him on upside. Anybody have Bradley Roby? I had him too. Yeah. Now that I'm looking at this, he's had a nice career. He's still around. He's like the third or fourth corner in new Orleans. I think Bradley Roby has been a pretty good player. He's starting to maybe hit the downside a little bit. I think Rob, th- there is no upside for Trey Sermon. That was a ridiculous overdraft in the third round by the 49ers. He got beaten out by a sixth rounder. He's fine. Like he's okay to play. He had a little bit of injury stuff last year. I just don't see it. And he had a miraculous lightning bolt run for Ohio State, but I, I don't think Trey Sermon should have been picked here. I think the real upside upside pick, if anybody would have picked Tommy Togia, just based on we all knew last year he was going to be basically redshirting in the NFL, and now he might you know, have an actual role for them. I was curious, you guys, like what? And we'll end it with this because we got to get out of here. But what did the two of you as Browns writers think Togia might do in that defensive tackle rotation for the Browns this season? I personally, I think I'm more excited about Perry on Winfrey now. Like, I don't, I, I just think that guy, the energy he brings, number one, and the way he can get involved in the pass rush. I'm, I know he might take some time, but I'm curious to see what his role is versus Togi eyes. And I'm, I'm really excited about Winfrey. I think teams might regret passing on him. Yeah, I, I, I just don't know what to make of Togi at this point. He, he's a guy who was sort of like, you know, the, so the Browns took Jordan Elliott in the third round in 2020, and he's a guy that I would kind of look and be like, oh, he played that many snaps? And I would be surprised. And Togi, I felt a little bit like that for me towards the end of the season when he started getting on the field. I'm just – I'm not sure if he's a starting defensive tackle in the NFL, especially for what they want. I think Winfrey fits a little more of that profile. We'll see. I mean, Winfrey fell – for whatever reason, Winfrey fell to the fourth round. So either everybody's wrong and the Browns saw something or there's just something there that we don't know about. But I think he fits more of the profile that the Browns want at that position. All right. I don't know if that was uh, Urkel, John Stamos quality, but I thought that was a pretty good crossover. So thanks to everybody in both feeds who has uh, joined us for this Buckeye Talk, Orange and Brown Talk podcast. If you're intrigued by Buckeye Talk now, if you haven't listened to it very much, get subscribed to Buckeye Talk. We do it five days a week about Ohio State. You can subscribe to our texts by sending a text to 614-350-3315. Get a two-week free trial. Steven and I will be on your phone, see what you think of that. And then the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, also five days a week. Great Browns coverage, checking in on NFL stuff. Both these podcasts, we like to do drafts. We like to do stuff like this. So, well, there'll be more of that ahead. And Dan, if people want even more Browns insider information from you guys, how can they get that? 
Uh, so we do a Football Insider subscription that includes texting and includes a newsletter uh, that one of our Browns reporters writes. Uh, it goes to your inbox every day. And then, of course, uh, those stories that are behind that paywall on Cleveland.com gives you access to those. So there's just a blue banner at the top of Cleveland.com slash Browns. That's where you go uh, to get all that info. All right, everybody. Thanks for the hard work and the research on this. For Stephen Means, for Dan Lobby, and for Ashley Bastock. I'm Doug Maurice, and that was the Orange and Brown Talk podcast and Buckeye Talk.